0: Hey everyone, my name is OJ Tucker, host of the OJ Tucker podcast, the only economy tennis podcast that explores political and societal culture as a whole. My name is OJ Tucker, as anyone would suggest. Happy Thursday. Hopefully, guys, you're getting ready for your weekend, spending time with your family or friends, watching the rest of the Moselle and the Sofia Open and the ADP as well. There's a little bit of news that we can get into for today in terms of news outside of tennis world. I do want to discuss Rashida Tlaib or Tlaib. Uh, being censored by the House uh, for her remarks on Israel. Apparently, they had a vote yesterday in the House because that's the most important pressing news that's happening right now in the world, uh, that they decided to censor her remarks on Israel because they found it to be anti-Semitic. I think 22 Democrats also voted in line with Republicans uh, to censor Rashida Tlaib. And overall, I do have my thoughts on it. Uh, We'll obviously get into it later, but generally speaking, or briefly speaking, I, I will say that I do find it weird that they are trying to censor her, despite the overall remarks that they made on Palestinian lives as well. And this doesn't help the case that uh, that they don't have at least some form of power. You know, I mean, obviously we'll get into it later, but I do find it to be quite odd that they decide to vote on this as as if as if this is the most pressing thing ever um again i i try not to get that much into israel-palestine because i i don't i am not as invested as other people are i don't i am i mean my life is not at stake here and there's a lot of information that i don't know of but i still think that generally speaking that it's important to at least discuss it right and when you see people being censored for what they're saying that's when i'm like okay this is a line in the sand right because if you are in the house of representatives right it's your job and your priority to make sure that the first amendment is live that people can say what they want to say and say what they truly want to say and when you censor people within the house of what they can and cannot say it sets a negative precedent for other people outside of the house and what they can and cannot say as well so overall it's not about Israel, Palestine per se, it's more about freedom of speech and like the importance of saying what you truly want to say. And I feel as if when you see people of the house reprimand somebody for saying an opinion that is outside of the norm or outside of their perspective, and when you see them censor said person, in my opinion, that's not a good look. And it's just not a good look for this country when you're telling people that they can't say what they truly want to say, regardless of how you may feel about it, right? You know, it could be the most vile things you ever heard or the most hateful things you ever heard. But to actively try and censor somebody for what they're trying to say, regardless of how you may feel about it. I think that that is wrong and that sets up a negative precedent for other people as well. Uh, so it's not so much about Israel-Palestine per se, it's more about freedom of speech. But anyways, uh, we'll we'll get into that later. We can also discuss Nick Kyrgios, uh accepting work as an analyst for the Tennis Channel. He will begin to work for the Tennis Channel and will begin covering the ATB finals for the tennis channel and I think it's going to be on a brief assignment it's not going to be a full-time job obviously it's not going to be a full-time job but he will work as an analyst and will be there covering the ATB finals uh, I will discuss this overall I think that this is a this is good in terms of offering eyeballs to the pre-game or pre-match post-match parts of the tennis channel I think it will attract more eyeballs and get more people to watch the programs but I do find it to be interesting because I think when you're talking about Nick past and the alleged domestic abuse that he's been had or I don't even I don't even think it's alleged anymore I think he confirmed it right I think he confirmed that he did actually hit his girlfriend or his then girlfriend and when you add that into the grand scheme of things right when when you really take that into perspective i do find it quite interesting the fact that they would still employ him given the fact that these allegations turned out to be true right um so i, I do find that to be quite odd um and i do think that if he does interview say sasha zverev or anyone else you know it, it, it will be a very interesting moment um so overall, Nick Kiro's working as an analyst for Tennis Channel, I think it'd be great for, for ratings, for eyeballs. Um, but again, I, I think given Nick Kiro's past, it, it may not be the best move <laughs> in general. And I don't think it might be the best move in general. Uh, so I'll, I'll discuss Nick Kiro's deciding to work as an analyst for the Tennis Channel and my overall thoughts on that as well. But first, let's get into some news within the tennis world that's still within the tennis world. Uh, not necessarily in the curious news, but news that is within the tennis court. Uh, so Tsitsipas believes that the AT finals is more important than the major, or than any major that is. Uh, he sat down or gave an interview in regards to the AT finals, and he was very candid about his overall thoughts about it and how he views it to be more important than winning a major, which makes sense because he's won one ATP final and has won zero majors. Uh, so, we'll, we'll just get the quote from here. This is from ATVTour.com. Um, definitely, definitely, obviously verifiable. Um, so, since his boss has fond memories at the Nitto ATP Finals, where he has been a constant presence, dating back to his triumphant 2019 debut in London, the Greek has not missed the season finale since he claimed the title that season, and his sixth-place position in this year's Pepperstone ATP Live Race to Turin earned him his fifth appearance at the prestigious event. His road to turn the season included a run to the Australian Open final and a milestone 10th tour level title in Los Cabos, as well as a runner-up finish in Barcelona. As he looks forward to this year's pageantry in Italy, Sitsipas is hungry for another deep run. It's a whole celebration. The A2 finals is a commemoration and celebration of the best of the best in our sport, Sitsipas said. We all gather together and we get to play against each other and focus on the fact that we are the best in the world and try to fight for this mega trophy, which is a grand prize in our sport. It means a lot. Um... The coming together of so many cha- great champions makes for a memorable week, both on and off the court, but the pride of being among the elite groups is paired with the challenge of competing against them. Having emerged from the gauntlet as the last man standing before, Sitsapaz knows for him what it means to claim what he considers the season's ultimate title. I would consider it, this is the quote, I would consider it probably a bigger thing than a slam, honestly, he said. It has big prestige, and it has, it's a very valuable asset if you're able to conquer and win it. I don't think so. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, the ATP Finals is fun, and there are memorable moment moments within. Obviously, who can forget, you know, the memorable moments of Federer and Nadal, Federer and Djokovic, especially back in 2011, 2012, when they met for the ATP Final final. Um, again, there are so many memorable moments in the ATP Finals, right? It's great. It's a great tournament. It's obviously fun, enjoyable, but it it, it doesn't hold a candle to the majors. Like there, there's it does not hold a candle to majors. And when you think about French Open Sunday, right, the French Open final for a Sunday, or when you think about the U.S. Open final, or the granddaddy of them all, right, the the women's final on a Sunday where, I don't know if you guys care about royalty. I don't care about royalty. But when you see William and Kate there, you know, that means something. Obviously, as an Indian, I don't really care about that per se. Like, I don't really care about royalty like that. But for a lot of people, they care about that. And that really adds to the prestige of things. Um, you know, when you think about the duels of the Wimbledon final between Djokovic and 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 Federer back in 2019 or 2008 between Nadal and Federer, when you think about Andy Murray and how he won, how he won his first ever, or how he was the first British guy to ever win a Wimbledon title, even though he's Scottish, after 77 years. You know, on July 7th, you know, 2013. Uh, it, it means something, you know, it over, it generally means something. And I don't think you can say the same thing about the ATP Finals, right? If if I asked you who were the last five winners of the ATP Finals, you probably wouldn't have a clue about it. And that says something, right? When you think about the last, you know, five or so women final win, winners, you know, you could probably say it in, in your hand, right? Like, you know... You could probably say, I mean, I can't because I don't have it in front of me, but you could say it, you know, I mean, if you're really into tennis and really have an interest in it, you know, you could probably state your winners of the last five Wimbledon's, you know, or the last five U.S. Opens, you know, and I think in a lot of ways, and even if you don't know year by year, you can at least get a general sense of who's won it, right? Daniel Medvedev, Carlos Alcaraz, Novak Djokovic, Dominic Team. you know, this is in no particular order, by the way, so... You know, bear with me here, but, you know, those are the people that you think of when you think about U.S. Open winners. One of the winners, do you think of the same thing? You know, whether it's Djokovic or Alcaraz, you know, you know, I mean, that's that's basically it. Uh, Honestly, that's basically it. Um, You know, I mean, that's what, what, what it really comes down to is that when you think about these majors and when you think about the players that are synonymous with these majors and who's won it at that kind of a level, it's quite easy to pinpoint it out. Uh, you can't say the same thing about the ATP Finals, you know, you just can't. So I don't know what some was on when he said this, I really don't. Um, yes, obviously the, the parity within the ATP Finals is more than that of, say, the Grand Slam. But still, part of the trauma of the Grand Slam is those Cinderella runs, right? Like when you think about unranked players progressing and doing well and, and getting to that moment and, and really doing well... I mean, there, there's just so many to pick, right? When you think about Ben Shelton back in this year's U.S. Open, right? I mean, that, that who could have thought that that man would, have, would reach the quarterfinal or semifinal of that major, right? Like, who could have thought that? You know, there's so many other success stories where you just have, see these amazing Cinderella runs just come to life. I mean, when you think about 2009, right? When you think about the 2009 U.S. Open, right, with Juan Martin Del Potro. I mean, he was a long shot to win that final, but he was still able to come back and win it. You know, I mean, think about all the Cinderella runs and how they were able to come into fruition. You know, so overall, you know, I, I disagree with what Stefanos is saying. Um, obviously, the parody is there, but again, part of the charm of the major is that anything can happen. Literally, in any match, anything can happen. And I think, in a lot of ways, that's somewhat missing in the ATP finals. Um for those that are scheduled to play in the ATP Finals, it's as follows: uh, We have obviously Djokovic, Carlos Alcaraz, Daniil Medvedev, Yannick Sinner, Andrey Rublev, Stefanos Tsitsipas, Sasha Sve- uh, Zverev, and Holger Rune. Um, obviously, I mentioned I've, I've talked about my predictions for the ATP Finals, um, but again, I still think it's Djokovic and Alcaraz, and then the rest of the field. And I say this as a fan of Rublev. I say this as a fan of Rune, as a fan of Sinner. As a fan of everybody uh, on this on on this uh, roster, um, but I do think that it's Djokovic and Alcaraz and then the rest of the field, and I think that's what it will be the case for this tourney uh, once we reach final Sunday. I think it's going to be Djokovic and Alcaraz, assuming they're one and two, and that they don't play each other before the finals. I do think that it will be the case between Djokovic and Alcaraz. and honestly, I think. You got to give the edge to Alc- um To I mean, here's the thing. Obviously, I think Djokovic is the slim favorite to win that match. But if he pointed a gun to my head and told me who would win, I w- I would. Just my opinion, just my opinion, right? Don't 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 shoot me, right? But if I had to pick, I would pick Alcras in this moment. Yes, I know Djokovic won the Rolex Paris Masters. He's won the U.S. Open. Currently, he's on a bigger hot streak than Alcaraz. But I think this is the moment where Alcaraz fights back and duels back and says, you know what, I won to against you and I want to win the A2 finals against you. And I think, if anything, Alcaraz can be able to do that in this final. I really do think so. Um, so overall, I think Alcaraz, if I had to change my prediction, I don't know what I said for the A2 finals predictions or overall like two three weeks ago but if i had to if i had to clarify it or if i had to make a prediction from here on out i would say alcaraz has the best chance to win it all i really do i know that may not be the most popular thing to say i don't i don't really i mean it's not that unpopular to say right i'm not going to say that but i think that right now alcaraz is kind of more poised to win it i think this means a lot more to him than Djokovic. You know, I think in a lot of ways this is his time to shine and his moment to prove that he can hang with the big people, with the big dogs. And obviously, he's done it before with the, the Wimbledon title. Um, but I think right now, we'll this is, if anything else, a confirmation of that. If anything else, this will be a confirmation that Allcross can play with the best of the best and can succeed and do well. And if he's able to do that in the ATP Finals for this year, I mean, it just, it just sets him up so well for the Australian Open in January so i'm excited for the atp finals i really am will i view this in the same way as a major no of course not um because again this is the last tournament of the year this is when people go away for vacation obviously the mindset for a lot of these tennis players is not on winning it's on getting themselves ready for the next year for the for the atp calendar year for 2024 and uh who can blame them right who can really blame them but I'm still excited to watch this final. I'm still st- excited to see this tournament and what will occur from it. So, uh, those are just overall my thoughts on it. If you have any any questions or comments on it, please let me know down in the description, down in the in the in in the comment section below. What are your overall thoughts on this tournament? Are you a fan of it? Are you not? Do you agree with Stephenson's boss? Um, what are your overall? Thoughts on the ATP Finals versus that of, say, the Majors. Uh, Leave your thoughts down below. I'll do my best to respond to each and every one of them. But yes, overall, those are suffocated remarks on that. Uh, I don't necessarily—I mean, I I disagree with him 100%, but I don't blame him because he's won one ATP Final and zero Majors. So, of course, if you're in that position, if you're in that predicament, if you want to help out your own cachet— and build your own cachet. Obviously, you want to say the ATP finals is more important than the major. Of course you're going to say that. You know, if it means you're more relevant than you actually are, of course. Who wouldn't say that? You know, that's like me saying, I'm a comedian, so that's like me saying, you know, a special on Comedy Central means more than a special on HBO or Netflix, or a special on HBO or Comedy Central means more than having a special on Netflix. It's like, obviously, that's not the case, right? Obviously, Comedy Central gets like 10 eyeballs or 10 viewers for their channel. Netflix gets a lot more, and plus they shell out more money to to their comedians. I mean, that's just me as a comedian. Though, like if I'm a comedian, this is the equivalent of me saying, you know what, having a feature set, where I do 15, 20 minutes and people don't know me and I don't get paid any money. That means more than getting a headlining gig. You know, that's that's the same rhetoric. That's the same sort of comparison to make. So I don't really understand where since he is going with it i don't necessarily blame him because obviously he's won one um, atp finals and zero majors but still kind of weird um but yeah overall those are my thoughts on the center city boss and uh his beliefs on the atp finals being more important than the majors uh, let's get into our second tennis topic for today so if you guys don't know nick Kyrgios has decided to accept work as an analyst for the tennis channel uh, he will begin covering tennis on the Tennis Channel, starting with the ATP Finals, and he'll, be, he'll have like a brief stint working for them for that week, a brief assignment. And um, this is from John Werheim. This is from John Werheim. So this is, uh, I think this is from. He's quoting a press release from the Tennis Channel, or, or whatnot. not. I don't know per se, but I'll, uh, as soon as I re- read it, I, I will uh, obviously have more information. So this is in quotes. So Nick Kyrgios, at Nick Kyrgios, whose electric electric style of play and straight-to-the-point conversational approach have endeared him to millions of fans around the world, is joining Tennis Channel as an analyst during its coverage of the ATP Finals November 12th through the 19th. Um, So I assume that's a press release given by the Tennis Channel, and they decided to put it out there. And overall... I have conflicting thoughts on this, right? On one hand, I think it's going to be great for ratings, and I think you want to see a different buzz in terms of the pre-match, post-match discussion and analysis that's done on the Tennis Channel. I think he offers a lot of more insight. I think he's a former player, so I think in a lot of ways he'll offer more insight about the X's and O's that happen on the tennis court and the overall mindsets that different players have. as. As he is a current player, I think he can offer a lot of current insights about these current players and, and just the different methodologies and the different approaches that all these players have, whether it's Sasha Zverev or Rublev or Holger Rune, Djokovic, Carlos Alcaraz, Daniel Medvedev. I think the fact that he's a current player, he can offer different insights about these current players and how he's able to play against them and how he's able to strategize against their play. Right, I mean, if you guys don't remember, a year ago, two years ago, I think back in twenty twenty two, yeah, last year, um, as soon as the playoffs were over, Patrick Beverly sat down with ESPN and did a few days of work with ESPN. He sat with Mike Greenberg for Get Up. He sat with for uh, Stephen A. Smith for for First Take, and for those few days while he worked for ESPN, he went relentlessly after Chris Paul secretly after Chris Paul, called him a traffic cone, says all you got to do is just move around him, says you don't have to prioritize or game plan for Chris Paul. You can, you know, go to bed at a later time, get some wine in you. It, it was a very funny few 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 days of Patrick Beverly on ESPN. Uh, but I think in a lot of ways, this will be their version of Patrick Beverly on ESPN. I think in a lot of ways, Nick Kyrgios will be that figure that will say a few controversial things to get ratings up and and obviously to feed his ego and overall i think that's a good thing i mean overall i think that is a beautiful beautiful thing and if it gets more ratings and if it gets more people talking about tennis then so be it i think overall that is a good thing but at the same time i can also admit that this does put them in a compromising position, right? Because Nick Kyrgios has also been accused of domestic assault. He's also been on record saying that he was guilty of it. This is not just me saying it. Uh, he also said it as well. So when you put all of that into perspective, right? It will put him in a compromising position because if he does interview, say, a Djokovic or an Alcaraz or a Rune or Daniel Medvedev and when he criticizes their play, they can immediately pull that card out and be like, well, weren't you accused of this? And not only that, but when you have him on the Tennis Channel, you know, what are you truly saying here, right? Like, again, I assume the Tennis Channel is doing their best interest at heart and whatnot and doing their best for ratings, and I understand that. But, you know, when you hire a person like that, what kind of precedent does that set, you know, for your on-air talent? Who may not be as big as Nick Kyrgios, but may have their own transgressions, right? Let's say a tennis channel commentator says a slip up on, on air, right? Let's say a tennis channel commentator swears on on the air, right? And they get suspended, right? They can easily say, "Well, if I'm suspended for saying that, and Nikir is still working and still doing his thing, then what does that say about your channel?" You know. So again, I think in a lot of ways. It's a double-edged sword with hiring Nakira. So on one hand, yes, it's good for ratings. And yes, I do think that you will get insight that you won't really get from, say, an analyst that's never played on at a professional level. Of course, yes, that's great. And I think Tennis Channel needs more of that. But at the same time, I think you're putting yourself and your talent in a compromising position when you hire a person who's had claims of domestic abuse under him. Right, and when you see, or if you do, do decide to penalize or suspend on-air talent for things they say on air, or how they may act to other players, they can immediately pull that card and be like, "Well, didn't you hire Nakirios despite him being accused of DA?" You know. So again, it's a, it's an interesting it's a it's a slippery slope when you have that. Um, again, no hate to Nakirios, right? I think he's a, a good fit for the job, and I think if anything he can fit that Randy Moss kind of role on air. You know, be that X's and O's kind of guy. You know, be that Dan Orlovsky kind of guy where he can go to the film room and be like, here's how Sasha Savera prepares for a first serve versus how he prepares for a second serve. You know, this is what I deal with when I'm playing against Novak Djokovic. This is how I was able to take a set away from Novak Djokovic in the 2022 Wimbledon final. You know, there are certain things that he can offer that I think will be great for Tennis Channel. But at the same time, i will be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that he has DA allegations against him and that he's said that he was guilty of that, you know. So two things can be true here, right? You can can admit that it's great that he's working for the Tennis Channel, but also that it puts them at a compromising position where on-air talent can get away with certain things or not certain things, but that's the wrong way of putting it, but they can do certain things and get, and be held to a higher standard than that of say Nikirios just because Nikirios is a face and a figure and a name. And I think when you deal with that, or when you make your town go through that, that in and of itself is not an unhealthy, that in and of itself is an unhealthy work environment. Um, so again, I don't necessarily blame Nekirios or, or Tannister for doing this, Obviously, it is a name and it is a figure that does get eyeballs, but again, this can only lead to a disaster, right? Like I, I want to be very frank here because if any time if time is critical of a player to their face, that player can immediately just pull out that card and be like, weren't you accused of DA? And the amount of people that did not know about it or were unfamiliar with it or are going to research and Google. Nick domestic abuse Nick domestic violence and when that does happen what does that say about your channel right and then the amount of people that'll be like well why did you hire him wasn't he accused of that I mean the amount of questions that will occur because of that that's not I mean it's not going to be ideal right so again I think that this will lead into several moments that will be memed right I think this will be memed forever whether it's good or for bad i do not know but you just know that when you have nick Hero sit sit down and give his thoughts on tennis it is must watch uh, obviously he's grown he's matured i i would like to think he's matured i don't know if he's necessarily matured but he's definitely gotten older i feel like he's definitely left his funnier side away and i think that's a good thing I i think in a lot of ways him being funny and comedically there and sharp and, and wise i think it took away from his on the court tennis play you know i mean I, I think tyler the creator also said it as well in an interview where he's like yeah i had to stop being funny you know everybody knew me for being funny or for being on lawyer squad and i had to stop being funny and just focus on the work which i mean honestly that makes sense now as a comedian that doesn't make sense for me because i, I always got to be funny uh but um for Tyler, the creator, that makes sense. For Nick curious that makes sense. Um, but yeah, overall, there's not much to say besides that. You know, there's not much to say besides I hope that this can go smoothly. Um, it looks like there will be a train wreck sooner than later with this. Um, because again, any player can just point out that allegation. And they can essentially say, well... Well, uh, you know, uh, you've been accused of this, and it's weird that you're going after me when you have your own demons that you're going through. You know, all they got to do is just drop that line the curios and the the entirety of his criticisms to that player are now gone with a snap of a finger. You know, so you got you got to play. If I'm Nikuros, right, I would have to play my cards wisely. If I'm criticizing a player, right? Prakash Amartaj does not have to go through that, right? Uh, other other commentators don't have to go through that because they're, they're not accused of that kind of behavior. And they're not that well-known to begin with. But when Nick curios it's different. And I think in a lot of ways, while this is good for Tennis Channel to have a figure like Nick Kyrgios to commentate on, on the play, I also do think that it will be much better if they had a player that was not accused of that, right? I mean, I would die to see Felix Oje Yassim cover this. I think Felix Oje Aliassim is like a really good figure to cover tennis, right? I don't know why, because I haven't seen him cover tennis, but I do think that in terms of his look, in terms of what he can offer, in terms of his relatability to other tennis players, I think that is a good look. Matteo Bertini, I think, is a good look, for the Tennis Channel. I think that's what you want. You know, a guy who looks like he's on the cover of of Abercrombie and, you know, can really, really offer succinct tennis advice and succinct tennis analysis. I think that is a figure that the Tennis Channel needs to go for. Um, You know, there's so many other figures that we can go. Andy Murray, I think the fact that he's well-spoken and articulate, I think all of that really goes to show you that he can be a good analyst. You know, I think there are way better analysts out there that the tennis Channel could have picked other than Nikirios. That's not to say that they're that they're wrong in this in this judgment. I'm not saying that they're wrong, obviously. Who wouldn't go for Nikirios? But I think in terms of the grand scheme of things, in terms of the PR move, I don't think that this is the best PR move that they could have made. Um, but that's just me, right? So overall, I am conflicted. Yes, it is good that that they hire Nikirios. I think that does generate ratings. But at the same time, once you dig into Nick Kyrgios past and at any moment any of these players can blow the cover for Nick Kyrgios and be like, weren't you accused of this, that, and the third? That's when I think you'll see Nick Kyrgios name trending on Twitter, but for the wrong reasons. That's when I think you'll see tennis trend on Twitter, but for the wrong reasons. So be very mindful of that. You know, I'm not saying it's going to happen, right? I'm not saying that that moment will happen but don't be surprised if it does if nick Kyrgios is overly critical of these times players you know uh but yeah overall i think on on air on uh current talent breaking down the x's and o's of of, of a sport i think that's good i think that's good i mean i think that also happened with uh, josh norman back a few years ago where he would be working for fox sports and he would cover, you know, Sunday countdowns and whatnot. And then later on, he would play in a game that ex- that on that same day. So he would be working for Fox Sports and whatnot. And then later later on in on that day, he would suit up for the Redskins and he would play corner. You know, so it was it was a weird ordeal. You know, but anyways, um, yeah, I, I do like it when I see like on like when I see talent for said sport that's still playing, cover the sport. You know, I think that's pretty good. Uh, does that put them in a, in a compromising position? Yes, because they do have their favorites. They do have their guys. And um, we'll see if Nick Kyrgios criticizes Sitsipas in the same way that he criticizes Novak Djokovic. As, as you know, Nick Kyrgios and pause have some kind of, kind of beef compared to Kyrgios and Djokovic where they both have like a very sort of love loving relationship with one another. Uh, but um overall um those are my thoughts on the Nicurios and uh Nicurios being hired by the tennis channel. Yes, it's good in terms of crit- criticizing tennis and you know on the court play, but again, it, it could lead into a Terrell Owen, Stephen A. Smith situation where you're getting memed or you're getting a moment, but in a not so flattering way. You know, I mean, that's that's what that's like the worst case scenario, right? Where you can see that happen, you know, it, it could lead into maybe not so much a um. I was going to say Jim Rome and Carl Everett. I don't know if it will go into that. I don't know if it go into fisticuffs per se, um, but and I'm probably dating myself with that because that 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 happened before I was born. Like I was born in '98. That happened in like what '92, '93, uh, which only shows you you know the staying power of, of Jim Rome. But uh, you know I, I do think that this can lead into a moment where it, it's it's unfavorable, right? It, where it's not ideal. Uh, it could lead into a Jungle Boy CM Punk situation, right? Which by the way, hopefully CM Punk, hopefully the rumors of CM Punk joining WWE are true. I think that'd be great. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, overall, those are my thoughts on Nick Kyrgios and his, and him deciding to uh, work for the Tennis Channel and the, and the Tennis Channel deciding to, work, uh, to hire Nick Kyrgios. So if you have any thoughts or questions down below, I'll leave them down below. Um, is this a good move do you think tennis channel will be okay with this move um do you think that nick Kyrgios will have his favorites in terms of the EU finals and do you think that he'll make that abundantly clear leave your thoughts your questions down below all right um now here comes the topping the podcast where I'm not that thrilled about it, but we got to talk about it regardless because I do think that this is a freedom of speech issue and not so much. And I, I don't want to really talk about the whole Israel-Palestine thing. I just don't. Um, I'm kind of tired about talking about it, to be, to be quite honest with you. Yes, this is in regards to Israel-Palestine and Rashida tulip discussing it, but I feel like in a lot of ways, um, there's only so much of that I can do. Right. Like, I've realized this as I've grown older. There's only so much that I can do in regards to Israel-Palestine because, obviously, I don't have any power in it. Um, It seems as if money and aid is just being given relentlessly to Israel. Um, I, I do feel as if, you know, Palestine is not necessarily the victims that they're played out to be. I think both of these countries have some fault to blame. I don't think that we should... You know, paint these countries with this broad brushstroke and just paint them as a, as a hero or as a, as a villain. Um, I, I think in a lot of ways to do that simplifies the ongoing conflicts that are happening in the Middle East. And for me personally, I, I just don't have a stake in the race. I don't have a side in this race. I think both of these countries have done a fair share of their own issues in regards to this ongoing conflict. And I think to over to simplify this and just paint one side as bad or one side as evil, or or one side as bad and one side as good. I think that overall that is simply a a way to simplify things. Um, Do I think there should be a ceasefire or that there should be a call to end these violent forms of aggression, both that it's done by both parties? Sure, of course. But I, I think in a lot of ways to pain or to pick one side over the other, I I think that that in and of itself should not be the case, right? Like, you should not view war as, like, a good guy, bad guy, thing. Like, that's not been the case since, like, the 40s, right? You can make the case back in the 40s that, oh, like, okay, the Nazis were obviously bad and it's it's important that we take them out, but ever since then, it's been quite muddied. It's been quite muddled, you know, so we, again, it's important to at least acknowledge that. Uh, But Rashida Tlaib has been censored by the House of Representatives for her remarks on Israel. Uh, This is from The Hill. Apparently 22 Democrats sided with Republicans to censor Rashida Tlaib and her criticisms of Israel as they deemed it to be anti-Semitic. So this is from The Hill. The House voted to censor Representative Rashida Tlaib uh, Tuesday night rebuking the Michigan Democrat for a criticism of Israel following Hamas's unprecedented attack on the U.S. ally. The chamber approved the reprimand in a 234-188-4 vote with 10, 22 Democrats bucking bucking party leadership to support the resolution and four Republicans voting against it. The vote is the culmination of a week plus effort by Republicans to punish Tlaib, the only Palestinian American serving in Congress for comments that have drawn condemnation from both sides of the aisle. And it marks the pinnacle of the current controversy surrounding till The congresswoman posted a video on X over the weekend that said President Biden supported the genocide of the Palestinian people and included clips of protesters changing from the uh, changing, or I think it's chanting. Um, I think they, they misspelled it to chanting, but from the river to the sea, which the anti defamation leaks characterizes as anti semitic, which I I mean I don't know if that's anti semitic. I, I think I think any criticism criticism of Israel should not be viewed as anti semitic. That's just basic one on one. Like you can be critical of the state of Israel, but also not be anti semitic. You know, to conflate one for the other, I think that in and of itself is an issue. Um, again, I mean. When you say that criticism of, of Israel is anti-Semitic, that only waters down what anti-Semitism is. Uh, so, again, I, I don't I don't think that that is a, that is a right thing to correlate with. Um, I don't think a criticism of Israel is anti-Semitic. I, I don't think so. Uh, in a subsequent social media post, Tlaib defended her use of the controversial fa- phrase. Uh, the comments sparked bipartisan combination and prompted a statement from House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries That, without naming Tlaib, criticized her use of the phrase, which he said is widely understood as calling for the complete destruction of Israel and unacceptably risk further polarization, division, and incitement to violence. Still, Democratic leadership earlier Tuesday had urged their members to vote against advancing the resolution, defending Tlaib's right to make the controversial comments, despite most agreeing with her words. Um, There's more to the article. Um... Democrats largely stuck together on the procedural vote, which only one of them voted against the motion to table before a larger group split off on the final votes. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm just skim reading this so that I don't have to add anything more. Um, Tuesday's vote makes clear the second law, lawmaker to be censored this year. House Republicans voted to rebuke uh, represented Representative Schiff in June for his efforts against former president Trump. Okay, whatever. That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. Why did I include that in, in the article? I don't know why. Um. Tlaib, okay, this is important. Tlaib defended herself from the censor of effort and impassioned and at times emotional speech on the House floor Tuesday, arguing that her criticisms have been of the Israeli government and Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, while declaring, I will not be silenced and I will not let you distort my words. She also spoke in support of the lives of Palestinian people. All right, I really want to see where Bernie Sanders, oh, I mean, he's a senator, so he didn't really vote on this, did he? He did not. But I really want to see how Bernie handles this, because I think in a lot of ways he's been very pro-Israel for the past few days or for the past few weeks, and he's called against Hamas, and he's been very pro-Israel, and I feel like in a lot of ways his voice does matter in this, because I feel like in the past few weeks there's been a fall from grace from him, and I think his overall comments on this definitely will impact it. Um, But I will say this. I think... When you're in the House of Representatives and when you work for the American government, it's important to hold up the Bill of Rights and to hold up the Constitution and to hold up the First Amendment, that is freedom of speech. And you may not agree with it, right? You may not agree with somebody's opinions on a a particular position or on a particular issue, but to actively censor them and to censor their remarks and to tell them that they can't say certain things, otherwise they'll get punished for that, I think in a lot of ways that is counterintuitive to what you should be doing as a member of the House of Representatives. Representatives. You know, I think in a lot of ways that is, in and of itself, um, rather counterintuitive. And I think... uh, you're doing yourself a massive disservice to the United uh, United States of America when you're telling people that they cannot say certain things. Uh, Regardless of how you may feel about Israel-Palestine, I mean, it's up to you as to how you may feel about it, but to go out and to censor an active representative of the House for her remarks on it, I think that that is pussy shit. Like, I, I think that that is that is the most pussy thing you could ever do if you're that offended for somebody for saying the most on in my opinion quite banal take on israel Palestine, and and honestly quite a a take that is rather of relevance and of of issue and 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 that is it is gaining momentum with a lot of people within the left and within the democrats and and just within human rights people in, in general um I think to go this above and beyond to censor her, I don't think that that is the right thing to do. Obviously, I'm not the biggest fan of Rashida Tlaib. I'm not a, de- I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a socialist. I'm not. I- I'm apolitical. I I'm, mean, I'm, 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 you know, non. I mean, what's the word for uh, not belonging to the two-party system? You know, I'm I'm not a part of the two-party system. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. Again, I'm not a supporter of Rashida Tlaib. I don't like the squad. I'm going to be quite up front up with you guys. I don't like the squad. I think all of them are grifters. I think they're shapeshifters. I think they're only trying to go for cultural relevance. And I think AOC is the new version of Nancy Pelosi. I really do think so. I'm not a fan of the squad at all. But I can also admit that Rashida Tlaib is being wronged in this situation. And I think... To admit otherwise or to believe otherwise, I think you're doing yourself into this country a massive disservice. And I think if you stand for, you know, the the belief of the freedom to have the freedom of speech, then you got to support Rashid Tlaib in this instance, right? Put your politics aside. Put your overall beliefs on what's happening in the Middle East aside. You know, it's important to stick up for people's beliefs on certain things, even if you disagree with them. You know, I think Socrates said it's the mark of an educated mind to entertain ideas that you don't accept. You know, I think in a lot of ways that should be the case here. You know, you should not have to censor an active congresswoman uh, unless her words had weight. Unless her words had weight. So if that's the case, then that means something. Um, So I want to hear what other representatives of the House have to say about this as well. I want to hear what Matt Gaetz has to say about this. Um, I want to hear about, I mean, I, I was going to say Ted Santos, uh, maybe not him. Uh, I want to hear what other members of the House are saying about this, you know, because it's it's easy for me to be on this podcast with two listeners and be like, oh, you know, this is wrong. Uh, but it's a totally different thing when you have uh, an active congresswoman or a congressman in the House also speak up on this. Um, that is when I think. It gets interesting. Um, yeah, I, I just think that this is this is just wrong, you know, this is just a wrong thing to do. To 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 see this many people support this just because they don't like Rashida leave I think if anything, this is gonna to happen to you. Right? Like this will happen to you once you have an opinion that is unpopular and and or an opinion that is challenging Power and challenging the institutions that are there, and when you have people within Congress or within the government telling you you can't say those words or say that kind of rhetoric, or they'll censor you and restrict you, then where will that same support be? Were for you, you know, if you don't support other people that are also being censored, then you can't see. Then you, chances are you probably won't see that support for you as well. Um, again. I just find it to be rather depressing when you see this. I mean, it's rather sad when you see an active, when you see an active duty congresswoman get censored like this. It's, it's just not the right thing to do. It's just not the right thing to do. The whole purpose of having government is to encourage discourse and debate and to encourage individuals to have a different perspective on things and to allow your own perspective to be shown. And when you restrict that from happening, and when you tell people that the only way that they can think about a certain issue is by this very myopic sense of of, of what's happening, and by only having a, a, a very myopic way of thinking, then that in and it of itself is, is counterintuitive to what active, healthy dialogue and discourse is all about. When you tell people that their only way of thinking can only be this much and nothing but, that is an issue. And that's something that should be spoken upon, you know? Again, I'm not an not an expert on Israel-Palestine, right? I'm not going to sit here and be like, I, I'm pro-Palestine or I'm pro-Israel. I, I, for me, I'm just pro-war. I mean, no, <laughs> my no, my my Raytheon and Lockheed Martin self came out. No, I'm pro-anti-war. I'm pro-anti-war. Uh, I am pro anti-war. I am pro non-interventionism. I don't believe in spending millions and millions of dollars and giving millions and millions of dollars of aid to Zelensky or Netanyahu. For what? For what reason? For what reason should we give this much money to Zelensky and Netanyahu for? Um, So again, for me personally, um, I I don't really see a need to weigh in on Israel-Palestine. Uh, but I will say that I don't think censoring people for their remarks in Israel-Palestine is good. And honestly, I'd say the same thing about a person that's pro-Israel. You know, like if this was, say, Ted Santos being censored for his remarks in Israel, uh, which probably won't happen because obviously, as we know, as we all know, they run everything. Uh, <laughs> jokes. I'm a comedian. Uh, but... It, let's say if Ted Santos or let's say Ben Shapiro got censored for his remarks in Israel, I would say the same thing about that as well. You know, it's not about Israel-Palestine. It's about standing up for the importance of freedom of speech and being able to say what you truly want to say. And when you have somebody being censored for a rather banal take on it and a rather, in, in, a, in, a, in a take that's actually not that edgy per se, that's actually quite decent and quite based in human reality, uh, I don't, think that this is a good look for the house because if anything this just shows that they prioritize censoring other people the house over passing legislation that could actually be beneficial for the average common folk you know when was the last time they voted on a bill for lowering the price of medicare or lowering the price for uh, drug prices you know or making sure that housing was affordable for active duty military veterans right like when was the last time that you actually saw the house pass something that actually helped out veterans and people that are active or that are in active duty right for as much love that they give veterans and people that have have done a lot for war and, and have done a lot for this country they they seem to do a, a lack of a, a of anything to help out said veterans that have given their service to this country right i mean is it a shock that the majority of homeless people are veterans or the majority of veterans are homeless i mean again i I just find it to be uh rather weird that they would vote this and put this on the house floor like this again this happened on election day right this did not happen a week before a month before this happened on election day obviously it wasn't a national election day right it wasn't like uh like for the presidential election but Still, it happened on Election Day. I think House of Representatives, each member is in office for like two years and then they they revote. Um, but I just found it to be so weird that they would that they would vote for this on Election Day. I like, don't even want your party to vote for things that are important for your own people. Don't you think that that has more staying power? and then this I don't know man I I don't know I I'm I've realized that I'm 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 out to lunch when it comes to politics I, I'm I'm out to lunch I've realized that I don't truly I'm not as invested as I once was The only reason why I'm really talking about this is because I kind of wanted to have a break from like just talking about tennis the entire podcast so I'm like okay I'll just talk about this in, instead for a little bit but I I've realized that I, I don't really fit in to today's modern day political discourse i really don't um i'll still cover it i'll still cover it but I, it's not going to be on at a consistent level i'll I'll admit to you that uh i just don't feel like i fit in like i'm not to sound like jughead from the archies you know i, I know there's that meme of like cole sprouts being like i don't fit in you see this hat who would wear this hat whoever this beanie you know i don't want to be that you know i'm not, I'm not saying that i'm that and i don't want it, this to turn into cringe but i've realized that there's not there's no room for me in, in today's modern day political world there's no room for me like i don't know where i belong i don't know where i fit in i don't, I don't know what party speaks for me i don't know what ideology speaks for me I, i'm i'm just I, i'm lost politically <laughs> like i don't know where to go from here um because i just i just think that you know when you see you know the bernies of the world you know just constantly disappoint the average person you know it's just not good it's just not a good look at all um so overall those are my thoughts on um rashida to and her being censored by the house uh i know it's a kind of a depressing way to end it um but yeah i think if anything, to censor her for remarks on Israel-Palestine, I think that's the wrong way to go about things. And yeah, I just wish I I truly wish that uh we can see a, a better better world for everybody. That that was a very Miss Universe, Miss America answer at the end, but I that's that's what I that's what I that's what, I, that's what I'll go for. Sometimes you can get a lot of insight from Miss America and Miss Miss Universe beauty, beauty pageants, you know. Honestly, I honestly I'd much rather vote for them than say uh the mitch mcconnell's of the world you know um i'm just saying i think they're smarter than mitch mcconnell uh and and nancy pelosi uh but anyways that's it for the podcast for the guy for for today guys thanks so much for watching thanks so much for listening make sure you guys like subscribe and click the bell icon for notifications down below make sure you uh, follow me on my instagram my twitter and my tiktok uh i don't really post anything on tiktok And I don't really post that much on X besides the podcast. So you're just relegated to Instagram then. Um, But anyways, follow me on that. Uh, Make sure, as if I didn't mention already, uh, subscribe to my podcast channel, my podcast clips channel, my stam channel. Um, Rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Give me a five-star review on on, on Spotify. That's what really matters. I'm sitting at a 2.3 on Spotify. Please, please, please get those numbers up. I I, I really hope those numbers are up. Otherwise, I'm just going to get throttled in the search results as I always do. Which happens to be the case. Uh, but, and last but not least, the most important part, make sure you spread it through your word of mouth and through your WhatsApp threads and through group threads, I think, to get more and more people involved in, the, in this in this podcast. It's always a great sight to see. Um, I don't know what I'll talk about for the next podcast. I really don't. Uh, but it'll probably be about the AT final and about things that are happening in our societal realm maybe politics, but anyways, guys, I think, I think that's it for the podcast, so guys, thanks so much for watching, thank you thanks so much for listening, enjoy your weekend, avoid the bookings, and I'll see you guys on Tuesday, alright guys, peace, see you all.